Hello, it's Kairos back with Silver Linings Book Club. Today is Chapter 6, Excuses to Redemption, my story from the book Hacking Sobriety. I'm going to tell you a story. The story is about how I got sober. The story is not pretty. The story is not a good one. But it's my story and it's honest. I hope I can help someone else who is struggling with addiction by sharing it. When I first got sober, I was a mess. I was angry and I didn't trust anyone. I thought sobriety was going to be torture. But then I found out about the tools and tricks that can help make sobriety easier. Things like meditation, mindfulness, and journaling. These things helped me stay focused on my recovery and find peace. I will not tell you that sobriety is easy. It's not, but it is possible. And these tools and tricks can help make it a little easier. I am a mother who has been through the difficulties of sobriety while raising my children. I know firsthand how difficult it can be. Still, I also know how enriching it is to be sober and present for my kids. I want to help other parents struggling with addiction find the same success that I have seen. I believe in the power of sobriety, and I believe in the strength of a parent. Together, we can overcome addiction and build beautiful, healthy families believe in ourselves, and have complete confidence and clarity that we are on the right path. I have complete confidence and clarity that I am on the right path. I have seen the positive impact that sobriety has had on my life and my relationship with my children. This is the best decision for me and my family. I am, I am committed to my sobriety and I am confident of staying sober while raising my children. When I was 13, I had my first drink. Little did I know the first drink would become a problem years later. So much that it would ruin my life, both figuratively and literally. I would drink on and off for years, allowing my environment to dictate whether I had a drink. At 19, they would thrust me into a culture of alcoholism that would span years. I was a jet engine mechanic in the Air Force. I worked hard at my job because it was male-oriented career field. The ratio was 10 to 1. So for every 10 men, there was one woman. The culture around my job was to get it done, and having a drink when you got home from work felt like a must. My binge on alcohol began. By this time, I was so into my drinking that I'd find myself passed out and pissing myself on the weekends because I couldn't control any bodily functions I had. Shot of whiskey, shot of Ruppelmans, take a dip out of the grog bowl. It made me the worst mother out there. I couldn't even take care of my kids. It created a rift between me and my then husband. Rumors flew around our squadron that I slept with one of his coworkers while he was on deployment. I didn't, but that's what everyone was saying. I told the truth that I lay in bed with this guy and passed out while my kids were in the crib and toddler bed. I woke up wholly clothed in the same position I fell asleep in. I couldn't even function because I was drinking almost every night. 
Again, I was a product of my environment. The fact of the matter was that I just wanted to fit in. So that's what I did. My marriage was dissolved only a year later. He got the kids because I was that bad as a mother. Not because I was an alcoholic, but there was something seriously wrong with me that never got addressed. They moved to Alabama to live out their lives. Sometimes I didn't remember the nights and it filled my days with hangovers. Work, drink, hangover. Repeat the cycle every day. That didn't stop me from feeling sluggish and almost ruining my career. That didn't stop my supervisors from calling me out. I remember one particular supervisor, a female, who had high expectations for the woman on my flight. Her exact words ring in my head all the time over a decade later. Airman, you smell like a brewery. Go home before I send you to the commander's office to get your news. Shower, brush your teeth, come back in and report to command. I was starting disciplinary action right in the face, but she gave me leniency in the matter. I followed those orders, and when I got to my commander's office, I received my new orders from Okinawa, Japan. I squealed like a baby pig when I found out where I was going. You know, those high-pitched ones when you go to pick them up? I think I squirmed hard in everything. This was my dream station to go to. I got the orders of a lifetime. I didn't end up going, but that is another story entirely. Life moved super fast for me after my divorce. By 2008, they assigned me to another station at Seymour Johnson Air Force Base. My kids were six and five, barely understanding what it was like in the military and how I had to move another 400 miles for them because I would visit as regularly as I could. I was still the shittiest mom out there in my eyes. Alcohol ruled my life. But this move to a new duty station would upend my life. My dreams would be crushed. I went into a tailspin mentally. Being 600 miles from my kids devastated me. I would lose my career, but my addiction made up for it. On October 31st, 2008, I took my last steps on an airbase because they honorably discharged me. It wasn't my addiction that caused my career to end. It was my diagnosis of bipolar. Anyone who knows someone with that disorder knows how addiction goes hand in hand. It created an even greater divide between my children and me. I stayed away from them and the horrors my brain was going through. In my eyes and with my addiction, I became a whirlwind of self-doubt as a mother and a human being. I couldn't keep up before, how was I ever going to keep up now? I lied to myself and said that I was right where I needed to be, protecting them from who I'd become. This is going to be honest for me. I abused my prescription pills just to get high. If I didn't have a bottle in my house, I turned around, dove deeper into my addiction, and even turned to marijuana. It almost cost me my life in 2009. On a fateful night while I was alone in the house, I went on a spree to destroy everything that mattered to my life, anything I could get my hands on. I destroyed everything I kept inside in a rage, the pictures with my kids, everything I had built with my significant other. I took an overdose of Ambien and didn't remember any of that night. I was told days later by my significant other the harsh realities of the situation. 
When he came home, he found me naked in our bed, clutching a picture of my children. He showered me and got me back to bed. He saw I crapped myself, peed myself, threw up on myself in the room. My kids stayed in when they visited me. I remember the following day, though, still highly drugged, I went to pay my child support. I got behind the wheel of my car, drove about a mile from my house, and flipped into a ditch because I blacked out. That was the only thing on my mind. I ended up in a psych ward under suicide watch for a week because the police and my friends thought I wanted to commit suicide. Yes, yes I did. Even the state trooper encouraged me to look at my car to see what I'd done. I did, but that didn't scare the addiction out of me. I know this is all serious and shit. I had a good time. By this time, things had settled between my ex-husband and me. We were on speaking terms, at least. So I would stay with them on the weekends when I could. There were few between, but I tried to be present in my kid's life. Even then, I was a shitty mother. I wouldn't pay child support. I'd spend it on alcohol instead. I showed up when convenient to me, not like a mother should have been. But I'd drink when I got to see them. One night on the huge front porch my ex-husband and his girlfriend had, I was dancing and doing cartwheels. I went right off the edge of the porch and landed in the bushes. Luckily, they broke my fall from going flat on my face in the driveway. We all laughed at it when I got up. I was that messed up. I kept dancing and doing cartwheels like the pro I thought I was. I was the master of cartwheels and getting jiggy with it. We had nights where where poker ruled our life, where drinking led our life. It was just how it went when I was around with my kids. I lacked the responsibility of wanting to care for them. I'd go back to my home in North Carolina. I'd spend months not speaking to my children. I'd spend months perfecting my craft on Guitar Hero. I'd make promise after promise to them and break them in a heartbeat. My youngest son looked up to me and thought I was the world, yet in my mind I knew I wasn't. I couldn't face the disaster I had become. That deep-seated fear of knowing I was a terrible parent kept me on the run in my life, and I'd only hurt them in the end. My kids were too young to understand the difficulty I was facing. I would tell myself the excuses and lies to feel like I was surviving. I wasn't. I was running from something that was only in my head. Fear of being a wonderful mother, my bipolar diagnosis, and an addict. One of the better memories I have with my children is when they came to North Carolina with me for a week. We laughed, played even more Guitar Hero, had a good time, and ate burgers and mashed potatoes with brown gravy almost every night because the kids loved it so much. Let's not forget the macaroni and cheese because that was all my youngest asked for. I swear he could eat that for breakfast, snack, lunch, and dinner, and late night snacks. He is still this way, 13 years later. My kids didn't even have memories of that week. That's how much damage I'd done in their lives. Could I blame them? Hardly, because I was running in fight or flight mode for years. About to be kicked out of the house I was renting, I did what I always thought was best. I ran. I left every memory behind without a second thought. And I kept on running from 2009 to mid-2012. I bounced from Alabama with my kids to Texas with my mom for those three years. Any connection I had with my kids wasn't even relevant in my eyes. It didn't matter at all. I was too busy drinking my way through life. 
but I thought I found an outlet in late 2009. It wasn't going back to my kids and being the parent I thought I should have been. I still lacked the responsibility of connecting with them. I didn't want to take responsibility for my life. I found creative writing. To me, there was hope. That would be my lifeline to repairing myself so I could be a better parent and human being. It failed. I failed. And that stayed with me for a long ass time. Failure wasn't what it all cracked up to be. It's much worse in reality. However, it sparked something in me. I felt like I could allow myself to feel emotions. These were the very things that were tearing me apart daily. I immersed myself in creative writing and lived in a world where I could dump everything I knew and felt into characters I was creating. I did that constantly for three years, which helped me keep my distance from my children. Basically, I was living in that world, and that was where I wanted to stay. Then in 2012, I changed my life. I moved to South Carolina with a friend I found in creative writing. You would think this falls under the resolution tab regarding story structure. It doesn't. I started getting my life in order. It was the most profound thing I had done for myself in a long time. I had a good job. When I think about it now, I loved my career as a page in the library. I started school to major in English and I took my medications like clockwork. I still didn't feel worthy enough to be in my kids' lives. Listen loud and clear. I didn't feel worthy enough to be with my children. I was stable though. I sought therapy and attended weekly. I recognized I was worth more than I gave myself in the present moment. I began to believe in myself. I wanted to be a part of my kids' lives again. I had them visit me for a week at my home. One of the best memories is when I thought a jet engine mechanic was the equivalent of being an automobile mechanic. In the freezing cold January winter, we had snow that year, which made it bitterly cold. My oldest son and I did some maintenance on the car. Let me tell you that being a jet engine mechanic does not equate to being an automobile mechanic. We tried to swap out the radiator in the car. Did it work? Yep. But it took forever to do so. We got the radiator in with dirty hands, scratched and peeled back layers of skin. I don't know how many times I used the F-bomb while trying to put in that last screw. I don't have many memories of being with my kids, but those are one of the few I can cherish while being their mom. Guitar Hero Wars were abundant. I got my ass kicked time and time again. It was one of the connection times I loved with my children. To be honest, my kids didn't even want to come. I forced them to. Why? Because I thought I had a right to them with the label of being their mother. After I took them home, I knew what would happen. The distance would once take place again. And it did. Throughout the years, I bounced back and forth in relationships. I destroyed friendships. I protected the wrong people. They weren't my children. They were my circle of friends, not my children. In 2014, I switched degree programs to one that majored in creative writing. For four years, I had a routine that helped me through life. I had stability. The house I bought with mine, I was in love with a woman. My disability from the Veterans Affair came through. I had a life again. 
I thought I could keep on this path and become a better parent. Let alone, I was raising my partner's children and not my own. I loved her children like they were my own. It was the first taste of giving a mother's love without the expectation of having the label mother. Everything I was doing was what I should have been doing with my own children. Talk about a messed up choice. I was raising someone else's children and not my own. In the middle of all of this, my mother passed away from cancer. My mom was my best friend and we talked about everything except for her cancer. She shut me out through treatment and it devastated me. On April 26, 2018, she passed away in the ICU. I fought for months against my family to keep her memory alive. And when it was essential to speak at my mom's memorial, when the time came, I broke and couldn't do nothing but wail out inside the church. I spiraled into a depression that was so deep that my relationships fell through because I felt like my needs weren't being met. I couldn't figure out how to let my mom go in my grief. It would be years before I ended up using my degree to help me heal. I did what I did best while the stressors were challenging. I ran. I moved in with some friends for a few months while the VA decided if they were going to do my total disability. Let me be clear here. These friends that I moved in with supported my every move, even those they thought I shouldn't be doing even the ones that were a danger to me. However, my life improved dramatically. I stopped drinking. I focused on writing my novels. Then before Thanksgiving 2018, the VA decided I was unemployable. The VA allows for a specific cap on additional income through a job. Don't take that as I couldn't work because I can. They just recognize that I have things wrong with me that hinder me from keeping a job. I did one thing that I thought was right. I moved from a greater supporting environment to a fast-paced life with my kids. For the first time, I felt present in their lives. I set up shop in Alabama close to them. I could have my kids home without arguing about how they would get home. I felt like I had an incredible life. Alcohol reared its ugly head. One sip meant another year and a half of renaging on some of my responsibilities. I did things I never thought I would do. That weighed heavily on my mind and heart, and the liquor became my best friend again. I spent nights with my ex-husband in his wife's garage, drunk as a damn skunk. Then I lost the house I was living in because once again, I lacked the responsibility of being a parent, being a renter, being the role model I wanted to be for my kids. The key here, I let alcohol be a choice for me. I moved in with my ex and his wife at their house and into a small bedroom, leaving me to be a parent to my kids again. It was an opportunity I couldn't pass up. I did what I could to parent and co-parent with my ex and his wife. It was great. It was everything I wanted to be that fear kept me held back from. It ended in a disaster in September 2020. Talk about a family feud. It was better than the game show, except it destroyed everything I had worked for and wanted to be. It destroyed every belief my kids had about me, and I did what I do best. I ran instead of facing the fear. That was the last time I ever took a drink. 
I moved back in with my friends in South Carolina. I continued to grow from my mistakes. I continued to create a life I could be proud of. I invested in self-education. I invested in the life I wanted to create for my children. I wrote my heart out on the page day in and day out. I came up with business ideas and failed. Like total failures, I wanted to stop humiliating myself for my life. But I faced failure before and knew it would be more than a disaster if I let it get to me this time. I stood up and faced that fear like a prince slaying a dragon to save the princess. I stepped up my game and in August 2021, I went to a virtual world summit with someone I thought handled life the way I do now. I looked up at this person for years. It was three intense days of self-discovery and responsibility and growing as a person. I paid another $1,000 to expand on self-growth. That opened my eyes to everything. I needed to know about understanding. I was in the present moment. I was me. For the first time in over a decade, I feel like I had found out exactly who I was. I was happy and excited about what life would bring this time. Then, on October 25th, 2021, I got the message that rocked me to the core. Me, my girlfriend, and her parents sat down and talked a bit ago about everything and how I should forgive you for everything because it's only holding me back. So in other words, I do forgive you and I still love you. Maybe at the time I didn't, but I only realized that it's not going to do me any good to hold a grudge. I will keep in contact every now and then just to see how you're doing. I told him I loved him twice in a matter of minutes. He ended up marrying an amazing young woman on November 12, 2021. I was proud of the man he became. I still didn't force myself on him. That was a critical factor in this. I took everything at his pace. I let there be a direct line of communication with him and his brother. So if they needed me for anything, all they had to do was ask. With that being said, I set boundaries with the kids. I've stayed firm in my conviction of those. My kids' boundaries with me, I respected them. My life would completely change with abundance and the gratitude I practiced every day over the next six months. I kept the kids in my life, giving them minor updates here and there, especially when I became a year sober. While there was some resistance from my youngest, I still respected that he wanted to keep his distance. He still couldn't trust me. I hadn't proven myself to be trustworthy to him yet. But that changed on December 31st, 2021. Mom, you need to learn the new texting. Just say info. To put into this contact, I'm old school and an English major. So this whole abbreviation thing for me made my brain hurt but I was trying to for the sake of my kid. That got me and my youngest started building a relationship from there. I respected the boundaries he set with me. I will leave you some breadcrumbs, but keep your distance. We texted back and forth for a few weeks, even though I wanted to jump right into the relationships with my kids. I still had to practice an uber amount of patience and gratitude for what I got from them, but it paid off. 
and I got my first I love you from my youngest on January 18th, 2022. From that time on, we have only gotten closer to each other. We've gotten stronger as individuals. But the best part is we've been a stronger family.